Well, years ago, I had a, a big shepherd. I talked about her before and um, had her for 14 years. And her first couple years experience was of, we, she never really left the house. She'd get in my truck once a year. I would put my car down and put the tailgate down and she'd jump in. And then we'd drive down to the vet. And we'd get there. You know, she's thinking she's going somewhere fun, going to have a good time. And so she's just all, you know, they're, they're in the wind, you know, they're ear, you know, how, you know, you know so they're having a great time. And, of course, we get there, and then the shots come, you know. You know, remember, like, when you got your kids to the doctor the first time, they're like, they're looking at you like, what did you bring me here for, right? You're getting the shots and, the, you know, all the different things. And, and she got her shots, and so a couple years after that, I noticed we went into the car, the truck. She's like, she didn't want to go to the truck. She didn't want to go. So I had her leash on, and I had to kind of, I had to literally sometimes almost drag her to the truck to get her to get, and then, and then she got bigger, and then she's like 70 pounds, and, and she would kind of do this, you know, because I tried to get around her to, to grab her to lift her up and get her in the truck, and she knew she got to just act like she was, you know, all sprawled out. I couldn't really get a hold of her well, so she knew what she was doing. It made it very hard for me to get her inside the truck because she knew where she was headed. And, uh, but I had to drag her drag her. And how many times have you had to drag things around? Remember in the day? Well, maybe you don't. Back in my day, we used to buy those big old bags of potatoes. My dad always let me carry it to the car. I dragged that thing. I dragged that thing to the car. Well, today, I mean, remember potatoes, I mean, you could just peel those things and eat those all day long, right? And I uh, love potatoes. I mean, of course, now when you have the Daniels fast and you eat all the the vegetables and all that, fruit and all that for those 21 days or however long it is. You're like, you're tired of potatoes, but it sure is good. Well, today as we look into Scripture and talk about the Holy Spirit, um, we're going to be talking about this concept. I asked the Lord during the first of the week, I said, what would you like to talk about this weekend? And um, it was kind of silent for a few days, but about Wednesday, um, he started speaking to me. And so... The word came to my mind, and we've talked a little bit about it before, and kind of just briefly, the concept of striving. Striving. So let me give you a definition of striving that will help us through our day as we look into Scripture and talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is my best friend. He is your best friend. He so wants to be um, with your every decision that you make, and, but He's a gentleman. You know, he's a gentleman, and he doesn't go where he's not wanted. And so you have to allow him to be in every area. So really, that's the really bottom line for everything that we do, talking about the series, is allowing the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit, your best friend. The two words today, and that's all we can, we can say these two words and leave here today and, and kind of get the grasp of where we're headed as far as the Holy Spirit. And it's two words. And it's very, very simple. It's God alone. God alone. God alone is enough. God alone is everything. So let's dive in and enjoy the summer 
and enjoy the Scriptures and see what the Lord has as we look through Scripture. Now we realize that the Holy Spirit resides within us. The moment that I accept Christ into my life, the Holy Spirit comes in and resides in my life. I like that. I was reading some things this week that others were discussing how when that actually transpired and and, um, pretty neat process. Just think about how does that work? When does he do it? And, And is it my initiation as far as I walking closer to Christ and he comes within or is he already like really close and starts coming in as I allow? And so where is that in that transition time? Uh, what a great thought it is. But realize in Scripture, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? You ever heard of that? You're God's temple, right? You're God's temple. And He lives within your temple. The Holy Spirit. I was going to have someone just standing with me not saying nothing, but as I moved, the person would move with me and stop. And they just would, everywhere I go and walk up here, they, they would just continue to walk with me. Walk over here, he's, walk over here. You get the picture? It's not that you're by yourself. You are never alone. Oh, Pastor James, I'm alone. I feel really alone. I feel like I'm all by myself. I feel like no one cares. I feel like I'm all alone. No, you are never alone. The Holy Spirit is always with you, and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the word striving, what does that mean? It means to make a great effort to achieve or obtain something. Have you ever went to end length to be able to obtain something? Have you sold everything you had to get something? Or worked so hard for months or all through the summer to get something? Or have you ever done that? Striving to try to obtain something. There's a struggle. There's a fight vigorously You're trying, you're attempting, you're seeking, you're making an effort, you're laboring, you're working, you're toiling. This is getting, this is getting burdensome right here. This is making me tired. You're strength, you're struggling. You're plugging away. Como se they say plug in Espanol? Plug? (laughs) I don't know that word. You're plugging away. Here's my favorite. You beaver away. No, this is even better. Work your socks off. What does that mean, working your socks off? Well, the picture we're going to get today in our story, as we read through the story, is of a family and a person that literally needed to be dragged from one place to another. The Holy Spirit, through angels, had to drag this person. I'm just wondering how many times 
the Holy Spirit had to drag me from one place to another. Because He's gracious and loving. Let's see what happens as we look at a story. And let's kind of throw this in the mix as well. You ever heard the verse, cast all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. You ever heard that? 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety, all your cares on Him, because He cares for you. Now, keep that right there. You know, my wife years ago, or maybe it was last year, the years kind of just come together. It could have been 10 for all I know. But she was listening to Joyce Meyer. You know, Joyce Meyer, she can get with it, you know. She's just getting with it, talking about casting your cares on the Lord. You know, she's just, she's just up there teaching. She's got that great teaching. She's a teacher. And I looked that word up to kind of get and remind me what, how she was kind of all her gyrations. The casting means to throw. You fling something. You ever, you ever see those guys playing that, that, that golf game with the Frisbee? And they have a bag with like 10 Frisbees. I'm thinking, oh, he needs one Frisbee. No, no, every Frisbee's a different weight or a different size, a different I'm, I'm wow, this is a sport, okay? It's a sport. You fling. You send. You, it's to drive with force. To reject it, it's like sowing seed. Remember the old timer? The old timer they had that little thing. They had seed. And they would they'd fling it. And they would throw it. it it's kind of like you're casting an anchor. Okay, now an anchor on a boat. I, I picture that you just don't kind of go. Eh. No, you take that anchor and you throw it overboard. You cast it. Because here's the the gist. The Holy Spirit resides within you. The Holy Spirit is with you. Do you know, did you know that He knows where you are and the problems you're going through? Do you think He knows that? Yeah. Well, here in today's story, as we look at Genesis 19, would you turn there with me? Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 19. And if you've never read Genesis before, 50-some-odd chapters, it is, it is full of great stories. It's a great book to read. Um, I don't know, I may just read it on the, on the beach, just sit there and read for hours. Who knows? It's a great book to read. And as I was reading through some things this week, and I, I got a hold of some material on how the Lord kind of, He kind of guided me throughout the week to different things. I was looking for one thing, I bumped into us. Another thing, I was like, this is exactly what I need. And I was looking for something else, and I bumped into He's like, whisper, it's like, see, I've got this. You asked me what I wanted to talk about. Let me help you. I go, good, because I definitely need some help. So I was reading through some things that David Wilkerson said. He said, the Holy Spirit's power is released only as we receive Him as our burden bearer. The Holy Spirit was given to us for this very reason, to bear 
our cares and worries. So how can we say we've received the Holy Spirit if we haven't turned over our burdens to Him? Does that make sense? He so wants to carry that load for you. But we're so good at coming to church or we're calling a friend and you pray together and then you walk right back in your car driving down the road and you still have the 10-pound bag of potatoes in the back seat that you just drug into church. You just drug them back to your car. You, you didn't allow the Holy Spirit to take the 10-pack of potatoes away from you. You just keep dragging it around. You just keep dragging it. It's not your burden. This whole series of Holy Spirit, my desire is for you to know the Holy Spirit better. For you to have a better understanding. And I bumped into something this morning, and I ran out of time. I cannot wait to go back to the house and do some more reading and research. Understanding. Think about this for a second. The Holy Spirit was given by Jesus. He said, when I go away, I'll send him to you. And if I go away, it's a good thing I'm going to go away. It's a good thing, because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. John 14, 16, 16, 14, somewhere in there. It's one of the, I always get them flipped. I guess I'm dyslexic. The Holy Spirit, think about this. If I understood everything about what I was going through, then I really wouldn't worry, would I? Let me explain. Joseph, taken by his brothers, sold as a slave, went to Egypt by himself, thrown in prison. Now, if he knew from day one everything he was going to go through, it probably would have helped him but he still remained faithful. And then it comes a point to where the Pharaoh needs some understanding and Joseph was there for such a time as this. Maybe the things you're going through are because the Lord has placed those things or allowed those things to come into your situation because He has you right in His hands and He needs to lead you to a certain point because He wants you to come to the end of yourself because He wants to take total control and He wants you to trust Him totally. But we still drag that bag because we don't truly trust Him to take care of it. That's why He had me talk about resting a couple weeks ago. He wants you to rest 
to let you know that he's got it. He's got this problem under control. Yeah, I, I get that, Pastor James, but you don't realize what I'm really going through if you really only knew. Christians should cast every burden upon Him. If you have truly received the Holy Spirit, then you should allow the Spirit to provide everything He needs to overcome. Because He's the overcomer, right? A downcast believer simply isn't a testimony. He wants you to be a what? A testimony. Genesis 19. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. Okay, we kind of know this story. You've heard the story before? Yeah, we're familiar with it. Lot, who is Lot? Isn't Lot related to Abraham? Yes. Where's Abraham? He's up there on the mountainside. He's looking down below. Remember the angels visited him and said, Hey, how you doing? Um, and then they get relieved, and, and he's like... Um, the Lord's like, should I not share with him what's going to happen next? And the Lord shared with Abraham about fire, brimstone coming on Sodom because Sodom is such a wicked place. And so he's praying for that city. But now Lot, remember Lot, Lot and Abraham had flocks and herds and, and people and, and families, and they had Lot. And as a matter of fact, there was such a, um, the land couldn't support both of them together. So Lot looked up and said, I'll take that way. And Abraham said, I'll go, I'll go this way. So Lot had lots of possessions. He had everything they needed. He was very prosperous. But he went towards Sodom. Now, there's parts of the city I know where there's wickedness and issues. Sometimes I drive through there because I have to go somewhere. But I'm not going to take my family and move closer to those areas. Unless the Holy Spirit wants me to do that. I've had friends that they they've sold everything and went and did that. I get that. But I've not been told to do that. But I'm not going to put my family in that situation. So, this family, Lot, has moved closer. And now, guess where he's at? He camped kind of next to it. Now, here in Genesis 19, where is he? He's at the gate. What do you do at the gate? You take care of business. He's part of the governing body of the city. That's where they took care of business. At least, you know, the guys are at the front. They would work things out. So when he saw them, he sees these angels. He got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet, spend the night, and then go on your way the next morning. No, they said, we'll just spend the night in the square. We'll just, we'll just be right here. No big deal. <laughs> and now Lot knows what happens at night. It's kind of like at 3 o'clock, 2.30, 3 o'clock. You really shouldn't be out that time. You really shouldn't be especially in certain areas of the city. I mean, you can be if you want. I'm just telling you, it's not a good place to go sometimes. But here, Lot's like, no, 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 no. Please come to my home. So they go, and they have a meal together, 
And you know the story. They're getting ready to get ready for bed. Now, I wonder if he knew they were angels. Evidently, they had hands, right? Feet, face. They were eating, right? Angels. Maybe someone here is an angel. We don't know. Oh, we're all angels, right? Because we're all at church, and that's what you're all about. Well, there's a pounding at the door. And this, this, when I read this story, I always kind of want to go home and get the soap out, wash myself, right? Don't you want to kind of just wash yourself? I just want to I'll take a quick shower. They're banging on the door. Old guys and the young guys, men, they said, Lot, didn't a couple guys come to your house today? Bring them out here. We want to have relations with them. That's pretty bad, right? That's bad. So Lot kind of opens the door, comes out, and starts talking to him. Guys, no, no. That, no, we're not doing that. And then all of a sudden they're starting to holler about, oh, who made you judge, Lot? You come here, you foreigner, and you know that. Oh, man, they're really getting with it. The angels inside grabs Lot, pulls him back in, shuts the door, and makes those guys go blind outside. Thank God for that. Meantime, the angel said to Lot, get your family and get out of here. God is going to destroy this place. So Lot goes to his sons-in-laws. Well, they were, they were engaged to his two daughters. Now, whether he had sons or not, we don't know. But these two daughters were still in his house. So he went to these sons-in-law and says, hey, guys, we better leave because it's going to... And they're like, ha, whatever. Are you, are you kidding me? He couldn't get him to come. He goes back to the house. And the angels are still there, and so they're just, they're, just, they're just hesitating. The Bible says they hesitated. They hesitated. Verse 16, when he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them picture you got to get is they're grabbing them and they're dragging them out of the city. No, no. Can you see them? Like, no, no. No, I, I just put a fresh coat of paint on my house. I, I, I just, I, I just, my boat. My, 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 no, 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 no. My, 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 my game system. My, my flat screen. No, no. You don't understand. You don't understand. They went with everything to this city. And now they're being dragged out with only their life. Well, we know the story, right? They're getting close to where they're supposed to go up to the mountains. And they get out there and somebody decides to look back. Why does anybody look back? Because you what? You long for something, right? So they're dragging him out, and that one person, Lot's wife, turns around to look back because the angel said what? Do not look back. Don't look back. 
Don't you think the Lord knows exactly what you need? Do you think He wants total control? Why are we still pulling the bag of potatoes along? He goes, give me the potatoes. Don't look back. I'm a God of the future in the past, but don't look back. I have better for you. But, 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 you need to start talking faith talk. We need to start talking faith talk. Because sometimes we're talking about the problems and it just keeps you in the problem because you're not totally giving it over to the Lord. Does that make sense? So she turns to a pillar of salt. What does that look like? What position was that like? I mean, what, I mean, what, what, what was her position, you think? You know, just going. What, what? Is she still there? Buried somewhere in the dust? Or is it just... I don't know. I just think like that. That's how I think when I read. Like, is she still there? Burying layers and layers of. I'm going to go do an archaeological dig and find her. There she is. So they're getting to where they're going on, and then they lose her. Where's mom? I don't know. Don't look back. I guess we lost her, right? Don't, you don't want to look back. Let us go down to Zor. Down over here, a small city. We don't want to go up there. We're, okay, okay, that's fine, but go. And they got there, and then, of course, the Lord burned down, sulfur, destroyed the city. All was gone. Lot's wife couldn't conceive of changing her life. The angels had to drag her away. The angels' message was clear. If you want God to be in control then you have to give up the reins. Did you hear that if-then? God's all about the if-then. If my people who are called by my name do this, 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 and this, then I will hear from heaven, heal their land. He's a conditional God. We got to do our part. What's our part? Totally trust Him. He has a lot more for you than what that was. But you don't understand. I, 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 quit striving. Quit trying to obtain. Just rest in Him and read this word and get it in. And realize who the Holy Spirit is because He wants you to trust Him totally. Totally, totally, totally. When you've exhausted all your human efforts, when you're trying to solve your own problems, you've come to the end of yourself, now let God do it all. He will accomplish your deliverance by the Spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit is not fully received until He is fully in charge. Did you get that? Fully. 
all your heart, all your mind, all your emotion, all your strength is in who? Him. But here's the kicker. Here's where we end the day. First John 2, 15, 17. It says this. First John 2, 15, 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. What things do you love like today? What are you going to do today when you go home? Sleep? Okay. What else? You know you can do your most favorite thing. I'll probably get in my car and drive the QT. I probably will. Why? Because I can. Because I got the car, I got the gas, and I got the money. And if I don't have the money, I'm going to collect some bottles and turn in for cash and go get me that duck, right? That's back in the day when I used to do that. Go collect bottles, turn in for five cents. Remember that? 25. I, mean, I was all, man, I was striving. I was, that little banana, that, that banana seat bike. You remember that? The little things, the little, the little handlebar, the little, the little like, flopping in the wind. But I thought I was cool, man. Got those bottles, tournament, and I, I'm going to get what I'm going to get. You're laughing because you had one too. See, we have to what? Totally trust Him. It says, do not love the world and think in the world. That's that kind of, is that kind of hard? Isn't that kind of hard? Like, that's kind of hard. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. What's the next verse say? For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. 17. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I want you to get this in your spirit right here. Remember this verse? You probably learned it maybe in school, maybe in Sunday school, maybe your parents taught this to you. 1 John 4.4 Greater is He. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Let me say it again. Greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. We know that, but think about it for a second. Greater is the, the God of the universe is inside of you. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. Lives in. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Don't you know he knows what you're going through? Don't you know he wants to have total control? Don't you know he knows exactly what to do? Don't you know he knows exactly what's going on? He knows everything that's happened in everybody's mind at every second. Solomon. Jesus came to him. Here's the golden ticket. Ask me for anything and I'll do it. What would you ask for? God did that with Solomon. Here, it's that golden ticket inside that candy bar. Charlie, that Willy Wonka bar. I've got it. That, that one 
What do you want to do? What's that one? Answer this question. If I had this, I would do this. Do it right now. If I had this, I would do this. So Solomon, he was in charge of all these millions of people, and he didn't know what to do. You ever been there? Huh. I don't know what to do. So he had lots of options. He could ask for all the money in the world. He could ask for you know, all the land of the world. He could, I mean, anything, and God was going to give it to him. Anything. What did he ask for? Understanding. Wisdom. There's something there. I'm going to chase it down this week a little more. There's something there to that. Knowing, understanding the Holy Spirit. That's the ticket. That's the golden ticket. Understanding, knowing the Holy Spirit. I'll let you chew on that this week. So there's something there to that. Because when Solomon asked for understanding, guess what God gave him? Understanding. Then I start thinking, the fear, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All these things start starting from like understanding. Talk about light in the scriptures. Light's about understanding. The Holy Spirit is truth and light. He, he illuminates. Holy Spirit, I don't understand. I was reading, I don't understand the Holy Spirit. He goes, it's this. Oh, See, the Holy Spirit knows everything. I'm going to chase that down. But, Pastor James, you don't understand. Well, how about this scripture? No weapon formed against me will prosper. How about this story? Disciples are getting in a boat, going across the water. Jesus is in the boat. He's asleep in the back. You're like, Pastor James, you don't understand. I'm rolling this boat, and it just seems like it's crisis after crisis. Did y'all put some music on back there? It's like crisis after crisis. Have you ever felt like that? One moment to the next, crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis. My boy, seven days old. Lifeless. Got him in the hospital. Cut him open. Clean him up. Took some things out. Laying on the bed. Months. On end. Swelled up like a red radish. I can't even, even tell it was my boy. Problem after problem after problem. Blood issues. Organ issues. Bowel issues. Just trying to keep him stable was a daily endeavor. Problem after problem after problem after day after week after month after year, five surgeries later, two years later, after da 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 after medical bills, after problems, right. We went through that. It was no fun. It was no fun. 
But somewhere through all of that, and I'm not saying I'm like, oh, I trusted Jesus. I trust, oh, no problem. I mean, I got in verbal fights with, with insurance, verbal conflict with doctors. Oh, not you. You're a pastor. Let me tell you, it got heated. And the Holy Spirit wasn't anywhere around. Because I was trying to work it out myself. You listen to me. I got something to say. When the whole time the Holy Spirit's like, go ahead, James, work it out, buddy. Not doing so good, are you? Because see, you don't understand what I understand. You don't understand that I already see his whole life in front of me. What are you doing? Why are you striving? Why are you laboring? And is it where are you at? It wore me out. It wore me out. We have to learn to trust the Holy Spirit. 